welcome to Time Limit. Today's episode is all about an emerging topic that sits in this kind of professional cross-section of design, project management, and product management. It's called design operations. And I enlisted my friend Philip Rowe, who's a user experience program manager at Google, and just so happens to be working in design operations himself. Philip's got experience in design and project management, so he can see the role from all sides. I'm excited to introduce this topic to you if it is new for you. If it's not new and you don't know Philip, I know you'll enjoy the interview and gain not only an understanding of what design operations is, but some tips to keep your projects moving. Before we jump into the conversation, I have to apologize. I'm a rookie podcaster, and somehow I recorded this interview through my laptop microphone and not my external mic. So the audio is not perfect, so I apologize to you and to Philip, but I promise it could be worse. I think you'll still get a lot out of it. Sorry, let's check it out. Philip, thank you so much for joining me on Time Limit today. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Brad? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk about design ops, um, you know, or design operations, I should say, to make it sound more formal. But, you know, I think this is a topic that's been emerging for some time in the digital space, which is kind of where we both come from, right? Mm-hmm. We've got Definitely. listeners from kind of all corners of, of industry. But I think it's a topic that feels, to me at least, that it's rooted in project management in some ways, and I could totally be wrong on that. Um, but I know that you're in a design ops, uh, design ops, design ops <laughs> role at Google, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And you've previously managed projects, um, and you've presented on the topic of design ops, um, which is pretty much what's led to this discussion. So maybe sure. if we can kind of just take it from the top, if you can kind of explain to the audience what is design operations. Sure, I can I can take a swing at that. Uh, for me, uh, what I love about design ops and what's what's interesting to me is this: it's just kind of this blend of of disciplines, right? It's uh, kind of this tactical, uh, strategic design thinking. It's project management, but it's really this lens on combining business and and design thinking to one kind of role. So the focus is you can think of as program management or project management, but really in uh, for design teams and in the design disciplines. Uh, as it were, very much kind of like uh, operations of design and creative teams. It's like the way I like to think about it. That makes sense. So I, you're in a product organization at Google. Um, mm-hmm. Does design ops really only work in that type of organization or have you seen it kind of played out in in other types of environments? I've seen it mainly in product organizations, at least, you know, definitely here at, at Google. I, you know, Maybe because I'm a little biased, I think it can play out in a lot of different scenarios on definitely enterprise operations uh, that use UX. Anywhere there's creative kind of happening, I think is a is a place that design ops can play. Definitely, the product organizations and product companies like Google are very much using design ops to help our product teams develop great products. Um, but I, I I can see where it, where design ops could could flow into other areas too, though. Okay. So you, um, I just want to be really clear for our listeners. So you mm-hmm. mentioned product organizations and design and UX. So UX mm-hmm. is user experience design, yes. which is kind of like yes. how people are designing flows and, and kind of information. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that, but, so UX, generally, when I think of UX, I think of digital products, but I guess user experience kind of can really kind of uh, be in, a, in any industry. But do you think design ops is more prevalent in digital at this point? 
I think so. It's definitely what I've seen, you know, for a digital company, we're very much in design ops, Israel is here. And when I talk to colleagues and other, other organizations and other companies, um, those are pretty much yeah, all, all digital organizations. And I, and I think digital is where this has kind of seen the need for this because of the complexity of products and uh, integration pieces. And in the digital, we have these design teams that are growing because of the complexity. So this has kind of brought up the need for design ops too. So yeah, pretty much mostly in design, digital organizations is where I've, I, I think design ops is, is the most prevalent. Okay, that makes sense. So let's let's take a, a look at kind of how the design ops role takes shape for you at Google. Um, mm. Like, you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, helping product teams and design thinking, but can you mm. dig into kind of more specifics? Like, what are the things that you're doing on a day to day basis? Mm, yeah, that's that's a, a great question because. For me, one of the things I love about this role and, and the way we kind of look at what we do is that every day is, is really different. Um, but what, what is kind of the theme for when I think about my day, it's kind of hard to think about uh, what I do on a day-to-day basis. But the thing that really is a theme is really setting clear uh, priorities for the designers and the t- different predictions on the teams, making sure people are clear on what they need to do um, on a day-to-day basis. And just really shepherd, I made this, this uh, uh, reference this morning. Someone said, well, you're kind of like a, uh, I can't remember the word they used, but you're kind of like a shepherd, right? Uh, and that's really the, 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 the key there, really trying to make sure that our, our teams are able to get um, done what they need to get done um, on a day-to-day basis. And then on the flip side of that, making sure our leadership team is aware of what people are working on and that the priorities that leadership has set matches what people are actually working on. So that's a big part of my day-to-day role. Okay, cool. So it sounds like, yeah, you're a shepherd. I feel like people would say <laughs> that about project managers, right? Like totally you're is. a leader, you're, you know, cat herd or whatever the, the word yeah, might whatever. be, right? Sure. How is design ops then different from project or program management? Is it because you're solely focused on product design and managing kind of a, a design thinking exercise or process? I, I think that's that's most of it because my role is kind of a UX or design program manager. So I'm program manager uh, on the design team and we have here at Google program managers that are, are technical. So there's, you know, you're, you're kind of, your focus is maybe a different discipline, but you're still doing program management type of work. I think what's different for or people like myself who are UX or design program managers, is that you really um, are not only working with design teams, but you have an understanding of the design process. You have an understanding of the different roles across design. So you, so my lens is really about um, you know, user experience and design and all, those, all, the, all the work and disciplines and processes and tools that go along with that. And uh, really knowing what a team like that needs versus a team that's an engineering team or a product team. So really focus on the, on the design discipline and what's needed for that in a program management kind of uh, uh, sense. Got it. Okay. So yeah, it, it is, it's program management. It's specifically around user experience design. How, how did you, um, how did you kind of develop an expertise in UX design? Uh, well, I started um, having an interest in, in design and UX um, several years ago. And I had for a while there, I had my own little, like single personal consultancy business, and I did uh, everything from tech work to website design. So I really got interested in in design and UX, and took a couple classes in that. And then as I got into the agency world, 
I started really gravitating to projects that were really UX focused. A lot of U, a lot of website redesign, a lot of app redesign, and I kind of just ended up kind of specializing in project producing, uh, kind of more on the design UX side. And that's kind of um, led me to a role previous to um, to Google at Nike doing UX producing, and then that led into the role at, here at Google as a UX program manager. Got it. Okay. So I have to think that you've got to have some kind of expertise and background, or at least like deep knowledge about design, more specifically UX design, to have a role in design operations. Like, it, I can't imagine that somebody would step into a role in design ops without having a deep understanding of how design works. I think I. I... I think for me, that's the way it works. I, I do know people who have come into the role who have maybe not had a really um, deep um, experience in UX, but they had a really deep interest in, in product or UX or design. Um, so it just, it just depends on the level. For me, that was a requirement for me to get into this role. And uh, I, But I think you can transition into it if you, even if you don't have a deep understanding of design, at least have an interest of it. Um, and, and I think having the program management skills and producing and project management skills is, is probably, I'll say, a little bit more important than the UX design skills. But um, I think anyone can who has interest and wants to, you, you, have, you have to want to have uh, comfort with working with creative teams, being comfortable with ambiguity, and have, being comfortable with uh, the different ways design teams work in order to kind of work, I think, in, in design ops. Okay. Yeah, I think I think that absolutely makes sense. It's almost like you read my mind because I wanted to ask you, like, what are the skills that you need for a design ops oh. role? But it sounds like it's more on the project management and organizational side of things and mm-hmm. less so on uh, design itself. Yes, I think that, that makes perfect sense. I think that's the way, way to putting it. It's really about being able to, the organizational and, and the way that a different type of team culture and team uh, work kind of happens in design that really is the the differentiator between program management and design program management. I'm really interested in this idea of design program management versus uh, development or engineering program management. It's like um, splitting two, two disciplines that are obviously tightly connected when you're producing a product. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about process and how you kind of make the connections between the design and development programs? Sure, I, I can speak to that in, in that, uh, I mean, you, we here, we have program managers like myself or our UX program managers, but we also have you know, the technical program managers, which work, as you said, on development side. So we work very closely hand in hand as you would, on the product side, as you would imagine, um, particularly in, in our role as, as we're doing product development, there's a, a definitely you know product release or launch schedule. So we have to work very closely with our engineering counterparts to make sure you know the UX is aligning, coming together in time for engineering to work and looking at the product vision. So it's this kind of it's very much a collaborative effort, um, and you know we meet regularly with that with our my pr- counterparts on engineering. Uh, I'm in the meetings, UX and engineering and product are in the same meetings, collaborating on priorities and, and seeing where things are. So it's, it's kind of this kind of uh, collaborative work um, that goes on. And then process-wise, if you're thinking about it, we're using processes that are, are that are kind of tailored to, to whatever project we're working on. Uh, for product releases, pretty much a release schedule, very much waterfall-ish if you want to think of it that way, but kind of some hybrid components of Agile in there as well. Um, but process-wise... It's, we pretty much are following, 
I'm kind of looking out to my engineering colleagues about what the release process and then figuring out how best to integrate that design process into that release process. Got engineering. it. Okay, so, so your counterparts in engineering are essentially coming up with estimates and probably working in some level of like a hybrid or agile method. Yes. To, but they're still having to meet meet specific launch dates. Exactly, so, you, yeah. so they're kind of dictating then what your design schedule or how much time your team will have to, to produce design for those products. That's true. And, and then on the, we also have this, when we're exploring maybe new ideas or new designs, mm-hmm. there's a process that the designer, design team is using to explore and iterate and converge on a solution and then working with, the, with engineers in that process to make sure that what we're designing it can be built and do those trade-offs too in real time. Um, so that, that part of probably more of an agile kind of like iterative process, mm-hmm. but there's, there's kind of this hybrid of, of approaches depending on the, the, um, the product, the feature that's going into the product as well. Got it. So how does design thinking work into that process? Well, design thinking works pre- kind of towards the beginning of that process, kind mm-hmm. of, of exploration. And when we're thinking about, Hey, this would be, this is a great idea or there's a, we have this this direction we want to pursue. So the design thinking part of that plays into the beginning of that phase when we're thinking about um, let's go out and think about the diverge and think about all the ideas we have and what's possible. And then as we're doing that, we use these things called called a process called design sprints. Uh, very famous. Um, the teams use quite a few. Um, so we do this divergent thinking as teams, and we do this also with product and engineering. As well, so it's a cross-functional process, and then converging back on thinking, um, pulling away those solutions that aren't working, and actually coming back to a solution that does work, and using user research um, to to help us define what are the the great solutions that come out of that that process that that team can actually build at, at the end of that process. So it's this kind of divergent, convergent process for design think design thinking, design sprints. We use that for that, and that gives us gets to a point where we can actually say, oh. This is buildable, and it can be done this time frame as, as a product that actually can be can be launched. Interesting. Thank you for the kind of behind the scenes view into how you're doing things at Google. I think I think a lot of people find that really interesting. It's it's like yeah. how do you create these massive products that so many people are using? Like it's mm-hmm. and guess what? Like you're doing it the same way so many other people are, and you're probably experiencing a lot of the same challenges that those people are experiencing as well. Definitely, yes. And it's for me, it's just being being able to be a part of it is, is super inspiring and fascinating and rewarding too. So it's, it's, it's great to see our, the creativity that our teams are able to come up with and what the smart people here can build too. Yeah. So I want to talk about the teams a little bit. Um, so I know that there's this concept in product organizations that I think you might have brought up in your presentation about the, th- the three-legged stool metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit, explain that concept to us and talk a little bit about how it kind of applies to, to your role or even to, to your process in the organization? Sure, yeah. The three-legged stool, there's many names of it. There's a three-legged triangle. This is it's basically a three-sided um product team organization. So there's uh, the three parts of that are product, um, engineering, and then design or UX. So those three components of this stool working together to develop products. Um, and the idea is that no, no 
no one of these teams can work without the other, right? And you have this three-legged stool because there's this balance that needs to happen for product engineering and UX in order to deliver something that is that is a great product, right? A product excellence kind of product. So the, the idea there is that we all have to collaborate together. That's why I mentioned in design sprints, you really want to have a cross-functional team for that because um, having just designers or product or engineering in the room really doesn't speak to all the, the, the disciplines and people who actually need to build those products. So it's this collaboration across those three disciplines um, that is a part of that three-legged stool concept. Got it. So what are the kind of roles within those teams or the, the, the people that you're, you're working with or even kind of managing through the process? Oh, wow. There's quite a, quite a few. Yeah, there's, I'm sure. Uh, on the product side, we, of course, we have you know, a set of product managers, engineering. Uh, we call them SWEs here. They're software engineers. And on the UX side, I deal with uh, a wide variety of UX disciplines on our own teams, from designers to researchers to enge- UX engineers. Um, so you know, our teams have these, these various disciplines that are all about uh, figuring out what's the best user experience, as you would imagine. And also figuring out how do we determine and measure that so that we are ensuring we're delivering a great user experience. And then working with the pro- our product managers, engineering, SWE teams in order to um, deliver those and launch those, those features and those products. Cool. I have a question about just the life cycle of projects. So, you know, let's say, uh, I imagine that you have some sort of a roadmap that you're working toward with, with delivery dates. And we all know that every product that's digital is always ripe for change. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, after a product is released, are you then managing that project and working mm-hmm. with the team of research to kind of uh, researchers to kind of research how the product's being used and defining ways to make that product better, or does that get handed off to another team? That actually stays within the team. Once a, you know a project, a product, or a feature, or say a product is released into the wild, uh, the teams get feedback um, for surveys and reviews and all that. So that, that feedback that we get, um, product engineering and UX teams are looking at that and determining, oh, these are this is the product that's delivering or not delivering as we want, and then how do we how do we improve that? How do we solve those problems or, or fix that? And the and UX research is you know definitely looking at how best to capture information, and then designers will look at oh maybe look at changes we need to make or updates that need to be made for that. Uh, so we're I mean I think all three teams are still involved once the product is released. We're always looking at how to make um, the product better. So all, all three of the three-legged stool teams are looking at ways uh, once products are released of improving those and and making them better over the long term. Yeah, that's really cool. So there's real ownership within your team and real accountability to make that product better at all times. Yes, yeah. at all times. I mean, after this call, I'm going to go through and make a list of, of things our directors of UX want to look at um, for our next release. So it's very much top of mind in real time for, for the teams here. Okay. So what kind of tools or you know process points or touch points are you using to help keep yourself on track with all of those things? Because those are those are pretty big teams that you're managing, really, really big projects and initiatives. And that's the details on that have to pile up. So what are the things that you're using to kind of keep yourself on top of everything? Well, I actually, we have um, several tools here internal to Google that software development uses that I also use for our UX teams to kind of manage it. But frankly, a lot of the work I do, I use a combination of 
hate to say it, Google Sheets and it's, it's like almost like spreadsheets to keep track of, of, of the things on the list. And then integrating those tools with um, our developer tools um, in order to see that all like bugs and features that are, that are listed that we're on top of. Um, and then from that, um, this is a pretty a new team um, over the course of the next six months, I'm actually gonna be building a dashboard for our directors that pulls information from various sources and get some help with that. So for me personally, organizing information really at this point is, is pulling from different sources and using just um, good old fashioned uh, a list and a, sh a spreadsheet in order to keep track yep. of tell you, you know, that you get, I get real fancy, but I find that um, keeping it as, um, I won't say simple, keep it as low effort as possible um, that I can, something I can update quickly and be able to really interact with on a daily day basis is really, for me, is, is one of the keys. Yeah, absolutely. The, the easier you can keep that kind of administrative stuff and the, yes. the more clear you can keep it, the better. So then you get to focus on the people, right? Yeah, exactly um, right. Yeah. I yes. think kind of on that, on that kind of note, I'm curious about how you kind of create a solid team culture or keep momentum going, especially when you're working with large teams and you're you're managing programs here too, right? It's not like yeah, you're just yeah. managing one project. Um, do you have any tips for you know developing team culture, getting to know your teammates or coworkers, that kind of stuff? Sure. I I, I can I can offer some tips of I recently back in the fall changed teams here at Google. And one thing that I, I always always do I think is is just I mean it may sound simple, but you really want to be able to uh, show people, you know, res the basics, the respect. Uh, I thank people, show gratitude and kudos whenever I can. Um, also, being celebration is thing that she sh should be used for uh, celebrating quick wins or even big wins. But finding a way to celebrate milestones of where you what you achieved is very important. Um, I, I think having a a team um, culture where people feel ownership and accountable for what the work they do and really engaged in the work. And just figuring out, I always try to think of ways, how do I um, make my programs and what I'm doing, uh, make sure they're being inclusive and, and engaging the teams to do the work they want to do. And one, I think one of my roles as a program manager is, is to make sure that creative people and the designers and the researchers and everyone on the team can focus on the work that, you know, they are, that they need to focus on. And, I take on the operational pieces and making sure that they're they're spending the most time when this has the most value too. So I think those are some of the things that, that I would offer as advice for getting a, a good team culture. Yeah, I think that's great. I think if I kind of take that a step further, if you don't mind, um, mm. you know, since you're in design operations, you're specifically dealing with or dealing with sounds terrible. You're working with <laughs> highly creative people who mm -hmm. are under pressure to develop and design concepts for a huge brand name. And I, and I have mm -hmm. to think that that brings a level of stress to those people, but then I'm sure that trickles down to you. And I'm, I wonder if there's if there's any anything you do that is specifically focused around the creative atmosphere to kind of keep people feeling good about the work and that what they're producing is positive, even if ideas don't get accepted right away. Mm, yeah, I think I think for me, what I really try to do is, I mean, one of the things I'm really focused on now, just in my role is, is our reviews, where we have designers and teams come in to talk to uh, leadership and prevent, present their designs, right? And as you would imagine, <laughs> that could be a very stressful environment mm -hmm. to come in, here's your work, and 
room full of people looking at so so as I facilitate those those um, those those sessions, one of the things I think about is um, how do I um, make this uh, situation so that our design teams and people presenting have the most information about how to be successful in those situations. So I always think it's kind of a coach mentor kind of situation where I'm really trying to think about how can I make my, how can I, I should make, how can I assist my teams in being as successful as possible? Because I think that preparation and being assistive and, and kind of re- reducing the unknowns for teams and knowing what they have to do, I think that can help reduce people's stress level too. They know what they need to do know what they need to do and when and why. And then that information and that context really, I think, helps um, helps team members be really engaged and and stress out less about the things that, that they may stress out in, in a review or uh, talking to a product manager or whatever. So thinking about ways to kind of uh, kind of help them in, in that sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. It's it's an empathetic approach, right? It's, yeah. it's knowing the pressure that they're under uh, knowing how specifically you as a program manager or project manager can mm-hmm. help them in the day-to-day and how you can help to frame conversations, meetings, mm-hmm. outcomes, whatever it might be in a way mm-hmm. that helps them to dig in and act yes. with, with a little less complication, I guess, right? Per- perfect way of, of summarizing that, yes. Cool, okay. I love this. I, I personally love, you know, my, my background's been in creative working on the web. So obviously working with tech as well, but I've always had more of an interest in design and UX. And I think that's probably why I wanted to have this conversation. Um, and this has all been really interesting. I do have one last question for you. Sure. Um, and it's really kind of in line with the theme of the podcast, you know, um, mm. time limit, kind of nodding mm. to the fact that we're all working under constraints in some ways. Um, mm. And I'm wondering if there are any things that you do in your role um, that help you to kind of keep all of those things together. Like we talked mm. about spreadsheets and things like that. I'm thinking deeper mm. than spreadsheets, right? Like mm. all of the people and the process and all of the moving parts. Um, on top of that, I'm sure that you get things like new requests and ideas or directives. And mm. how do you sort through what's a priority and what's important and still needs to be addressed. Like, do you gotcha. have any, any t- tips in that line of thinking? Yeah, I do. And I, it's, it's great you ask this because it's, it's very top of mind for me as, as we start a new year and um, coming back from break. I, one of my goals and was to put together for the first quarter, you know, what is, what is Philip delivering for the team, right? So at Google, we call them OKRs. So I spent sure. a lot of time on the break thinking about what those would be. So I presented those to our directors on Monday. Say, here's here's a list of things that I'm going to be doing, and here's the priorities based on you know, based on observation and, and and interviews and one-on-ones with all of you. So here for the first quarter, here's the things I'm Philip's going to be working on, but here's the things Philip is not going to be focusing on because Philip doesn't have time, quite frankly, right? So looking at really having alignment on what am what are my priorities and what's important, and then versus what's not, and have a conversation about that. And then have an agreement about what that should be for the for for my work. So then, that really helps me as far as on a day to day basis when I get requests for things, as, and I can kind of give it a, you know, I can look at it and say, hey, this is on my list of priorities, or it's not. So then, is am I able to be able to accommodate that or not? Is it really important? And usually the answer is no. Then I, I'll have to delegate it or figure out what the best to do about that. So I think for me, it's really about 
setting expectations and alignment and a lot of thought into what's important and how I can deliver as a program manager the most value and impact to the team and really being, uh, I want to say strategic about that and very clear about what that is and what that is not. Um, and then be able to, on a day-to-day basis, resisting the temptation to jump in where, <laughs> for things that are not going to provide a lot of value, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I like that. I think, so for anybody who's listening and doesn't know what an OKR is, it's an, uh, basically ob- objectives and key results, right? Yes, it's, that's it's right. A, it's, exactly. a, it's a Google coined term, I believe, isn't it? It is a Google coined term that's used, I, I think, quite a few, a few other places. But yeah, it's a Google Absolutely. term. Yeah, we yeah. use it at Team Gantt. And yeah. um, I think I use it the same way that you do and, and the team that I work with does as well. So yeah. essentially, we're setting up some objectives with key results and determining you know, where our focus will be. For us, it's for a quarter. Um, and we work on projects that directly will impact those OKRs. And that's how we're measuring our success on some level. Um, and I like that. And and I like the way that you framed it because uh, if you're doing a good job and sticking to those OKRs, you're actually focusing on what goals are. And when, when I talk to, you know, people in presentations here at Team GAN or the classes that I'm doing, we talk about project goals, right? And Mm -hmm. making decisions on projects that are determined by what your project goals are. So Mm -hmm. if a new request comes up and it doesn't meet one of those goals, then that request gets put in a parking lot or shelved until the next quarter. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's a really good tip. Like that's a good way of thinking about it. And it's also, I mean, I would say that it's not too difficult to come up with those OKRs. What's your take on that process? Yeah, simple. I think it's it's pretty easy. As I'll say, having done it already has been pretty easy to do. I think for me, one of of my challenges, my personal development is that I, my list was kind of long. My manager said, you know, Philip, I know you want to do all this, but thinking about what's realistic to do, right, is, is also, I think, an important part of this. So what's realistic to do? And then also thinking about, you know, what, what um, your own career goals are and what are you interested in, too. If you can actually combine that so that you have, you know, OKRs that meet needs of your team, but also you're passionate about, then that's you have the best of, of both worlds there. Yeah. Well, that's a great manager to to tell you this is too much. I've I've been in that same situation and I'm thankful for that because I think as PMs, we kind of always want to take on more, don't we? Yeah, we want to solve all of it, right? Exactly. Not this part of it. So So that's really good advice. I think OKRs are a great thing for people to look into and we can can provide a link to um, some background on OKRs in our show notes along with any other things you think might be helpful for for our listeners, Philip. But that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, thanks for educating us on design ops. And uh, maybe we can throw out some book recommendations or links online that we can sure. share with some folks um, if they want to do a little bit more reading. But I think this has been a great primer and really interesting for me to see the direct parallels between design operations and really project management, which I thought was there, but I wasn't totally sure. Yes, there definitely is a parallel to that, for sure. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. I hope we get to talk to you again soon. Great. Thanks, Brad. All right, folks, that's where we ended. If you're interested in learning more about how Google Design works or want to check out some of the resources Philip mentioned in the episode, check out our show notes. It's all great stuff. And I'm going to ask you one favor. 
please share and rate our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Honestly, reviews help us to get the show seen and heard, and that helps to attract better guests. Well, not better, but more guests. Trust me, it would help us greatly, or I wouldn't even ask. And that's really all we have for this episode. Come back for episode 28, which is all about accountability. Thank you.